Tea So Pop, Season 4, Episode 9. Hello and welcome to Tea So Pop. My name is Laura and joining me today to talk about the problem with native speakerism is Mary Marutian. Mary is a Delta qualified teacher based in Parma, Italy. She has over a decade experience in teaching English as a foreign language in a variety of settings, from company courses to one-to-one private lessons. She is the founder of the Non-Native Speaker account on Instagram, where she highlights discriminatory practices in the English language teaching industry, while championing positive change for greater equality. Mary, thank you so much for your time and joining me on your holiday. Welcome to the show. (laughs) Thank you for having me. In today's episode, we're going to talk about what native speakerism is, why it's problematic, as well as review some common scenarios that all teachers may encounter to suggest some ways in which they can respond. Before we get into today's episode, I'd like to highlight that discrimination of any sort, whether it's based on someone's place of birth or other factors, is illegal in many countries. While this episode provides suggestions on how to address misconceptions that learners or their parents may have about who teaches language, I encourage you to find out what laws apply in your teaching context and to follow up with the procedures that are in place. As a starting point, could you outline what native speakerism is and highlight some of the negative consequences it has on teachers in our industry? Personally, when people talk of native speakerism, I associate it with um, not having not being given the same opportunities as a person born in a certain location. And that may vary, like the preference of that location may vary depending on the person who actually does uh, show a certain preference type or where they want the specifically teachers, because that's what we're talking about today, where they want their teachers to come from. And so it's like this association with uh, a skill to your origin, uh, which has always been a part of my life because I was always seen as an imposter being an Armenian teaching English in Italy. And so to me, it is when you kind of specifically think that a person, uh, a person's skill is based on where, where they come from specifically. So there are a lot of negative things associated to this because I think it discredits uh, professionals in our field uh, because what is the point really of going through all the formation courses when you can't change the place where you were born in and people will always see you as sort of unfit to do the job that you're actually doing. And uh, so many teachers also feel that they cannot advance in their careers because they cannot change uh, what, what they've, you know, what, what they were born with, and they cannot change, in some cases, nationality. And even if they do, they still don't, uh, they're not re- regarded in the same way as a native uh, English teacher. Um, and again, we have to kind of think of, you know, the inner circle, because there are certain countries that are seen more like places where there are specifically, you know, English-speaking countries, and other countries are discriminated against. So... Um, another negative thing would be that, you know, students find inexperienced people teaching them because so many schools kind of advertise having native speakers as their teachers. And you actually find someone teaching you who is not qualified to do that job well. And they have like the minimum requirement and you might not be aware of it. And uh, it's obviously detrimental uh, to whether it's a company course, whether it's one-to-one in any really teaching circumstance and learning circumstance. You mentioned that native speakerism has obviously impacted your experience in your teaching career. And I wondered if you'd feel comfortable sharing an example of that. So I never considered myself to be a non-native speaker. I was born in Armenia, but having lived in different countries and different places, English was my first language. 
But only when I went into, you know, the application process of finding or looking for a job, that's when I realized that I wasn't perceived as an English speaker because people would just stop me at, oh, you're Armenian. And so they would think that I wasn't going to be as good uh, of a teacher. <laughs> um, so I kind of felt that it wasn't normal that they treat me in a different way. And I always had to kind of start speaking in English so that I would gain their trust back. Um, so. At one stage, I was I was called for an interview at a university in my city, in Parma, and uh, the person interviewing me was already convinced before I had stepped, uh, you know, through the door that I wasn't going to be apt to teach, basically, simply because she had seen my CV, and she just did not allow me to even speak to her in English because she started speaking to me in Italian and saying, you know, how I wasn't the candidate they were looking for. At that time, I didn't have the the time or the skills or the intention of doing anything about it. I just felt very disappointed and sad and angry. And I thought that I was not going to allow that to happen because in other circumstances, I had already kind of accepted that. But it was because I didn't believe in my own skills. And when, you know, I got my formation and I studied and I, I felt good about my teaching skills, that's when I really thought I'm not going to let this happen to me or and no, no one should actually go through this again. And it doesn't matter where you were born and, and how, you know, how long you've lived in a certain country I'm, and what your nationality is. And it was just unfair to me. And that's when everything kind of started for me in terms of, you know, advocating for people who were non-native speakers. So when we met to plan this episode, we identified a few common scenarios from our own teaching experience where parents, learners or other stakeholders have held misconceptions about who teaches a language or about what they have to do in order to attain proficiency as a language learner. I thought we could look at some of these scenarios so you can suggest how teachers can respond if they find themselves in a similar situation. Okay, scenario one. Parents or the carers of a young learner are concerned that the teacher is not from a country that they associate with English being used. For example, the parents expect an English teacher to come from the UK or the USA, Canada, that inner circle you mentioned earlier, Mary. We shouldn't come from a place of, you know, antagonizing someone just because of their beliefs. It might be something that they've seen, you know, perpetuated for such a long time. And so they might be thinking, you know, they might think that this is actually the normality and they're being given a disservice by having, you know, a, a teacher from so-and-so nation. So I would highlight the fact that, you know, English does not belong to any particular nation or any particular group. And the majority of the interactions globally are conducted by non-native English speakers. And it's not that we can really pick and choose who we have conversations with on a daily basis. Giving you, offering you classes with a teacher I am the person, I'm the authority who has checked the teacher's credentials. And so first and foremost, I'm offering you a teacher. So I think schools should really take pride in, um, you know, and, and really show respect and not go into the, I'm trying to offer you the best service that I can. Yes, obviously you're doing that. They may not be aware that you're doing that by offering them a qualified teacher. Okay, they might be happy with a Sally or someone with a very American name or someone from England or someone, but that that does not qualify anyone for knowing how to do the job. You want someone that is qualified. And I think that schools really should, institutions should really highlight that every time they speak to a parent. 
I completely agree. Like it's not just down to the teachers. It's a whole school effort, isn't it? To educate and and pick misconceptions and help people unlearn something that they may have been brought up themselves believing and being told themselves. Yes. And I think it's really powerful when you have everybody on board to kind of engage in those conversations. And, you know, I firmly believe that this is a business of education because a lot of people say it's a business and it can be both. But first and foremost, it's education because that is what we do. And I think that when you kind of turn the table around and you actually lose, you actually are not winning by saying that, you know, by not backing up your own choices in your own teachers. So I think that you should properly address it. And I don't think it's a complicated conversation to have. It might be a bit uncomfortable at first, but I don't personally, from my own experience, talking to people just around me, they've always agreed and they've always understood where I was coming from when I said it's more important to have a qualified teacher, whether native or non-native. We're not discussing who is better at teaching. We're just saying who is qualified and who is able to do that. So uh, the accent, you know, which is what people normally seek you know, to improve, um, doesn't play such an important part. It's more the intelligibility and how well you can comprehend and make yourself understood. And a teacher is the best way to go if you want that. So we've talked about the parents or carers. Now let's talk about the learner. So in scenario two, imagine it's the start of a course or a new school year and you're meeting your learners for the first time. When asking learners about their goals in learning English, they say that they want to be fully fluent and speak with a native-like accent. Yes, that's a classic. I would start by saying this. The likelihood of you sounding like, like a native are zero to none if you're not an actor or an impersonator. And in in addition to that, you should want to sound like yourself, right? We were talking about earlier how important it is to keep your identity intact um, because accents are beautiful and it's what distinguishes us from someone else. And it's like all our experiences come down, you know, to our accent. The fact I see it in myself, having lived in different countries, has given me the weirdest of accents because if, in every language that I speak, I have an accent. And I like that about someone might, might say, you know, are you from this and are you from there? And they might try to take a guess and it's never going to fit properly to my identity. But I think that's what makes me special in some way. I don't take pride or I don't feel ashamed of whatever kind of geographical location they might place me. Also, the common mistake is that people believe there is only one type of native speaker and there is just one type of sound that they might aspire to sound like. There there are many native, let's say, unintelligible native speaker accents that are hard to understand simply because we are not uh, exposed to them on a regular basis. So it's what you hear constantly that can influence how you sound, but not maybe in all the words that you use. So I think that as a student, having that as your goal maybe like setting yourself up for failure because you you want to ultimately sound like yourself because i'll make this quick example my sister lives in dublin and she speaks with a dublin with an irish accent i make fun of her because i'm like you we don't sound like sisters we look because we you, it sounds like you have grown up in a different setting and i've grown but that's not true you know you just had this i don't know the last 8 years that she's been living in in ireland and she's adopted that accent but because i guess she's interacting with people from there and she's you know it's a normal thing when you're actually in that said context but 
I've lived in many other countries and it, it never has impacted me. I think it's just what can naturally come to some people by interacting with people of that, but not to everyone. My parents both have very uh, heavy accents when they speak English or Italian. So I think it's just like how much you're in love with a certain sound and not always can you achieve that sound that you're looking for. Again, unless you're trying to be an impersonator, which is totally different from you know, excelling and mastering a language. To this point, we've talked about the parents, we've talked about the learners, and now let's jump into the final and third scenario. I want you to imagine you're applying for a teaching role at a school where you'll be part of a group of teachers who will teach ESL to students in the school. You notice that the teaching content appears to be divided based on where the teachers are from. For example, local teachers are assigned language awareness lessons that focus on aspects such as grammar. In contrast, non-local teachers are assigned speaking lessons and instructed not to teach any grammar. I would directly go and speak to the DOS about this, you know, the director of studies or whoever was in charge of this, because I think that a qualified teacher comes with an array of skills that he or she should freely put into practice. And the idea that someone might actually put a limit to that and say, you are able to do this and this person, I think that's just uh, creating more of a controversy inside of your own personnel and inside of your own staff. I think you're pitting teachers against each other at that because they might not feel qualified to do certain things. And it's just, it wouldn't be a place I would specifically want to work at. But I do understand some people who might go along because, you know, uh, it's what we make a living out of. Um, however, the first chance I'd get, I would probably detract myself from that equation because I don't see anything good coming from it personally. Again, like I say, in education field, you can't have that because it's just the opposite of what education should be about. Thank you so much, Mary, for sharing insights into this topic and for unpacking these different scenarios. It's been really great talking to you. Thank you. Thank you again for having me. If you'd like to get in touch with Mary, then of course, as usual, I'm going to hyperlink her name on the website to her Instagram account. Her Instagram account, again, is the non-native speaker. She posts regularly lots of inspiring content and bite-sized information and ideas that lean into this conversation about what discrimination is and how we can speak up against it. As always, if you have a question or an idea to pitch, then you can get in touch with us via Facebook, Instagram, or the website, tsopop.com. If you love what we do at Tsopop, then you can support us by posting, rating, a review wherever you listen to podcasts, sharing content with your teaching community, or by even sponsoring our coffee break at ko forward slash Tsopop.